excited for tonight. I'm going to pray for our time together, and uh, we'll get started. God, thank you so much um, for this time that we can just gather. It's so fun to hear the laughter and just people make connections, and um, even something simple as just reading your word together and just discuss, discussing just questions about your word. And God, just thank you for that time. Uh, it's just the beautiful noise, just hearing voices talk about your word. God, I just pray as we've read it now, and we want to open up for some discussion on it, um, and there's some heavy topics and some big topics. God, would we just be open to what you would have to say to us? Um, God, whatever is going on, homework or, you know, just all the distractions that we came in through those doors with, God, we just pray that we can just set them aside now and just be all present here in the next 30, 40 minutes. God, we love you, and um, it's so good to gather again together on campus this year. Bless our time. Um, just be in amongst us, God, and we know you're here. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. So I uh, hope you guys had a good time in your groups. Um, I want to introduce to you a good friend of mine. His name is Cedric. Let's give it up for Cedric. <laughs> Cedric's an uh, elder at Calvary, and he works for the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. And uh, he's a good friend, and the man's a servant. Man, he's got a servant's heart. Like He's always serving at Calvary. He's always encouraging people. Uh, we just love Cedric, and um, I, or I asked him to come, come be a part of our panel tonight. Um, it's a little smaller panel. Um, my friend, she couldn't make it, um, and uh, so we're going to have a little smaller group, but yet we're excited uh, for the um, time together. I think it's supposed to be what it's supposed to be tonight, and I'm excited. Um, before we dive into the discussion, I thought we'd frame kind of our talk a little bit um, on the section of scripture you guys just read. It's really important. There's some heavy stuff in the text that you just read, and, and I think this is stuff you need to talk about, and sometimes uh, we're afraid to talk about heavy things that are uncomfortable, and I don't know if you were at church on Sunday, but when I shared, I was, I mean, the Bible at times, there's some, some heavy stuff in there, there's some offensive things, and sometimes we quickly write it off, and it's like, oh, that's uncomfortable, I don't want to talk about it, but maybe sometimes that could be God pressing on your heart that there, maybe, like, instead of just saying that offends me, just be asked the question, like, why? Like, what is offensive? Or what is, like, so agitating about that? Like, maybe God has something that he's wanting to speak to you. And um, I thought about posting the title for tonight's social media and just kind of getting it out there, the title. But uh, um, I wasn't sure uh, that anger, lust, and divorce would be great uh, titles. Um, but that's kind of <laughs> what we're going to talk about. So uh, they, they wouldn't be super popular. Um, and like I said, it might be uncomfortable, but I just really hope that you can uh, just press in and, and ask the Lord, like, if something strikes a chord, what is that? But to frame this, um, the verse before and the verse, like, at the end of what you just read, it's really important to see. I don't know if you can see it. Okay, there. Yeah, there's supposed to be two, two boxes. There's two there. So this is the verse that's before it, 520. Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's in 520. And then at the end of the section you just read, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so it's pretty high bar that Jesus is um, raising right now. And it seems like, how is it even possible? You know, verse 20, um, basically he's saying, be greater than, than a priest. Like, who's greater than a priest? Who's more righteous than a priest or a, or a religious person? Like, is anyone? Can anyone claim that? Uh, the religious leaders prided themselves in keeping the law. 
They prided themselves in like being self-righteous. But Jesus shows us it's not just about following rules and keeping the law. And that's what you're going to see in this text. And I think you already saw that a little bit. Um, and then we also understand that in these verses, Jesus takes it to the next level. You know, there's the letter of the law, and then there's the heart behind the law. And so he's looking at, like, you know, how many but I says did you guys find, by the way? Six. So, like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, there's the law that says don't murder. And sure, these people, like, these people he's talking to, they maybe didn't murder. But they were unkind. They were unforgiving. They might have not outright hated the person, but they weren't loving them actively. And so he changes it from a law-based thing that's an external thing to like a heart thing. And it's huge that we understand that. And he does the same thing about adultery. You know, like, you know, I grew up in the, you know, the sports world playing sports, and, and we were always thought, yeah, you could look and not touch. That's fine, right? You know, but Jesus says, no, to look at someone and have those thoughts, how's that any different? There might be some different ramifications of the physical act, obviously, but yet there's still a difference in your heart when you cross that line. And so that's what we're going to really see is this, this brilliant sermon and, and just pulling out this idea of the heart. It shows us that only way to true righteousness is if you are perfect. That's what verse 48 says. But we can't be perfect. No one can be perfect. No matter how hard you try, anyone that's in here, we've talked about the last few weeks, you cannot be perfect on your own but only through Jesus and what he did. Uh, and and I, mean, I mean, simply, if you read that section of Scripture, how many of you read that section of Scripture that you just read and said, man, I'm nailing it. Like, I'm, I'm batting a thousand right now. Like, I mean, none of us can be perfect. Like, you read that and you're like, what? Those but I say, you're like, there's no way. And, and it, it just really sets the bar. And, and I think we're going to talk about that too, um, like the idea of a, uh, this bar um, so yeah, that's just what I wanted to share to open up our time, and hopefully it might be a little uncomfortable, but I believe God wants to show us things, and I really hope you hear me up front. I don't think he wants to show you like a guilt trip or, or shame you. Like That's not God's heart. You know, the law in scriptures is meant to convict our hearts, to point us to Jesus and a need for a savior, and his arms are open, and he, and he wants to, to bring you back if you've, you've said, I've gone too far, or I've struggled, or this or that. Like, man, God loves you, and he wants you to bless you. And, and part of that blessing is doing it the, his way, the way of Jesus. And, and I'm excited for that opportunity to, to just dive into the scriptures with us or together tonight. And we have a few questions that some of the student leaders um, and interns came up with, and then hopefully we'll have some time for an open mic, potentially, if we have enough time, but I also saw some texts people are sending me um, right now, and so I wanted to turn it over to Cedric for a while, though, and you guys get to know who Cedric is and his story, and um, yeah, let's give it up for Cedric one more time. All right, I can hear that it's on. All right, that's good. That's a good start. Um, so uh, I just... Really blessed to be here tonight. I got to tell you, when I first came in, and there, I think there were five or six people here, and uh, okay, we might have a small crowd, but then uh, you guys just started streaming in, and I was just jazzed about it. So uh, great that, that you guys are here. Um, I want to start off by 
just sharing a little bit of my testimony and, and ultimately kind of describe how I'm sitting here um, with you this evening. Um, I grew up in Southern California. I was born, actually born in South Central LA. Um, grew up there most of my elementary school years. Um, then uh, fast forward, I, um, through high school, um, or excuse me, before high school, my parents ended up getting a divorce. And um, I was actually in junior high. And so that really devastated me and it made me really proclaim and say that I don't ever want to be divorced. I don't ever want to go through a divorce. I don't ever want to divorce someone. I don't want anyone to divorce me. And that was where my heart was. I was, that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't know the Lord. Um, so I was coaching football and uh, one of my former players is here. <laughs> um, I was coaching football down in LA and uh, this lady came walking across the grass and I thought, she looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, I, I ended up talking to her and we, we started uh, seeing one another and uh, she said that she was a Christian. Uh, I wasn't, as I said. And we got into a uh, four and a half year dating relationship and it was an immoral relationship. And, um, <clears throat> but during that relationship, she started going to a church and it turned out it was the same church my mother went to. So it was cool because I could make both the women in my life happy by showing up at church, not <laughs> just on Christmas and Easter. So um, I started showing up and uh, sitting there with both of them and, and just kind of listening and like things started to make sense in ways that I hadn't really realized before. Um, my mother took us to church when we were younger after the divorce, my brother and I lived with my father, and he gave us a choice. He said, well, do you want to go to church on Sunday, or do you want to stay home and watch football? That was a pretty easy choice for us. So uh, my church-going days ended fairly early. Anyway, um, I ended up going down um, and getting walking down front and uh, giving my life to the Lord, Easter Sunday, 1988, which is probably no one here or you here were born at that time. So I'm not going to say no one. Um, and my life started to change. Um, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was on fire. It was more of a salvation of uh, accepting Jesus as my savior, but not really understanding that he, I was also accepting him as my Lord. And that was, a, that was something interesting to me when, um, when I started reading the word and understanding that it wasn't just having a savior, that he is Lord over my life. And that was a big deal. And I think that's something that um, I, I was sorry that I didn't um, understand when I first gave my life to the Lord. But I saw the Holy Spirit doing things in my life. And he was changing me from the inside. And it was really awesome because I knew it wasn't me. So at that time, um, my girlfriend at that time and I were, were still 
not living morally, um, didn't understand all the principles of what it meant to walk in righteousness. Um, but we, I ended up proposing to her. Uh, we got, uh, we went to counseling, premarital counseling, and the counselor asked us if we were sleeping together. So we had to admit that we were. And that was actually the first time somebody had told me that we're not supposed to do that. Okay, I guess we won't do that then. And we didn't. Um, unfortunately, we, we didn't until the night before the wedding. And that's important because it plays into the rest of the story. Um, we ended up being married for nine years, or excuse me, 19 years, had be two beautiful children, um, a daughter and a son, love them dearly. Um, but after 19 years of a very difficult and challenging marriage, uh, she decided that she no longer wanted to be married. And because of the, where I was early on when my parents got divorced and never wanting to go through that, I was devastated. I was also devastated because um, I realized that there were things in the marriage that I brought into it um, that really set us off on the wrong foot. One of those things was anger, and we're going to talk about that tonight. I grew up in an angry home. I brought anger into my marriage, and we had a lot of conflict. That conflict wasn't solely on me, but that was my part of it. Mm. And so I try to own my part of it because what God did through the divorce process was to really open my eyes to who I was and the things that I brought to the marriage. He also showed me that my commitment to not sleep with her once I knew the truth before we got married was very critical to the lack of trust that existed in our marriage. Okay? And I didn't really realize that until she had decided that she no longer wanted to be married. Um, early on, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping around, I, I mentioned that I had a lot of anger. And as I read my Bible, I came to James 1, chapter, uh, verse 20. And it said, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And I was trying to lead my, my family in righteousness. And that really convicted me, that there was no way I could do it and, you know, have all this anger inside. So after reading that, it really began to change my life. And, um, and I won't say I stopped being angry at that time, but I was on the path. Unfortunately, it wasn't soon enough, even though it was only a few years into our marriage, it wasn't soon enough. And a lot of damage had been done uh, on both sides. Um, there was a lot of deceit um, that went on. And so anyway, she decided that she wanted to, she, didn't, she no longer wanted to be married. And at the same time, my kids had been told um, a lot of things that weren't true, and so they didn't want to have anything to do with me. And so suddenly I, would, I found myself all alone. I was going to Calvary Chapel at the time, um, and still go there. I should say that. <laughs> Hope so, since I'm an elder there. <laughs> um, and God really just started taking me through a process of um, looking at myself, 
and understanding who I really am in Christ, that my identity is not in my marriage, my identity is not in my kids, my identity is not in my wife, my identity is in Jesus. And when you, when you see that and you're going through the most devastating thing in your life, you can walk through it. It's painful, but it's also, there's also a lot of joy because Jesus just gives you peace in it. So what happened as, um, as once the, I won't say the divorce, once I was out of the house, um, God started opening my eyes to, to something, and that is how many other people around me were going through this. When people would tell me before I went through my divorce that they were going through a divorce, I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. But I had no idea what they were really going through. And now I did. And I started to see people who were hurting, either because they had gone through a divorce or because they were going through one. And so one night, a friend of mine called me, and he wanted me to go with him to go talk to this guy who uh, had been kicked out of his house by his wife. He had cheated on his wife, and she kicked him out. I didn't want to go, but he talked me into it, and I went. And I told him on the way, I said, we, we drove over to Albany. I said, look, don't expect me to say anything. I'm just going to, you know, because you, you asked me to. And so we got there, and we sat down with the guy, and um, we introduced ourselves and said, okay, well, you know, tell us what's going on. And I think that was probably the last word the guy who brought me said that whole night because Somehow, the, the, I mean, the spirit just took over, and as this guy was talking about his situation, God was giving me scripture, he was giving me encouragement, he was giving me uh, exhortations, he was giving me all sorts of things to say to this brother. And I'm happy to say that they are married today, I think they have three kids now, and they are um, uh, missionaries here in the States on the East Coast, and I just love that that God restored their marriage. And I truly believe that it started that night. And I started discipling that guy, and, and um, it was really cool. So God started giving me a passion for helping people who were hurting in, uh, through divorce. And the reason I'm sitting here is because I don't want anyone to end up where I was, okay? Now, I have a ring. I am married now, so I guess we're going to talk about divorce and remarriage uh, later on, so or sometime tonight. So just understand, um, I'm married now to a wonderful lady, and uh, we are ecstatic together. Uh, my relationship with my kids has been restored uh, to a degree. Mm -hmm. It's not completely healed, but I get to hang out with them now, and I have a grandson, and I got to go see him. He's 11 months old. He'll be a year next month, so I'm just really ecstatic. Um, one of the things when I was going through it that God showed me was uh, a vision that despite what you see out of your kids today, one day I, I saw myself sitting on a couch holding what I knew to be my grandchild, didn't know the sex, and I had my son on one side of me and I had my daughter on the other side. And at that time, that seemed absolutely impossible that vision came true earlier this year, hmm. this summer. And, sorry. 
God has been so faithful, so faithful through this whole thing. So my heart really is to uh, help those who are hurting in marriages and in relationships and so that they won't end up where I am. And so that's why I'm sitting here. I really have a heart for uh, marriage. I have a heart for marriage being done right. And my wife and I are, are teaming up. We have a ministry called Raise and Restore. Our goal is to um, raise the health of um, marriages that are doing well, but uh, can do better, and restore to health marriages that are hurting. So that's awesome. That's my story. Yeah, it's cute. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's hard stuff. How many of you, I'm just, I'm just curious, how many of you have come from broken homes? So you, you felt the impact of what Cedric's talking about, and it's never easy to talk about. Um, and so from that aspect, you're, you know, you can probably relate some, but then also like, you know, this idea of marriage and divorce, some of you are like, well, man, I'm not married. I'm far from that. But what better time to learn about it than when you're single and you can actually have these conversations and you can pray with others and talk about the things and, and how God designed it and how God desires to use marriage and relationships and not just, this text isn't just about marriage, and, and, but it's also about just personal relationships with other people. Um, but I'm getting a lot of texts in, and some of them, I, I tried to lump them together already, but um, I, I think I was just going to jump right into that one that, that seems to be most common. Like People are looking at verses 31 and 32, and they're kind of curious if marrying a divorced person is a sin, and I know Cedric did a lot of soul searching and Bible searching on this topic in particular, especially as you know his story, so I'm going to let Cedric take a swing at this yeah. one. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I wanted to, to, I wanted my life to be right with the Lord. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it according to his, his ways, and so I really studied this out because I will tell you um, whatever concept idea or understanding of marriage and divorce that you have, you will find five authors and all kinds of YouTube videos that will tell you that you're right. And that really struck me that there's so much, so many different variations of the way people interpret the scriptures in this area. And what I find is most often they interpret it the way they want to live their life. Hmm not the way Jesus said to live your life. Um, there are some, and, and this isn't you know, necessarily the way they want to live their life. There are some that say that once you're married, you're always married. Even if your spouse leaves you, you're not free to remarry. You have to wait for your spouse. And I had some men in my life who were telling me that. And as we searched the scriptures together, I just wasn't seeing it. Okay? Uh, there are people who say that, <clears throat> you know, you can... Um, that you're both free once the covenant's broken, you're, you're done, you're gone, and you can head off and do whatever you want to do in your life. Um, I didn't necessarily see that either. I'm not saying I'm right in the way that I interpret it, but this was the conviction that God put in my heart. So there's lots of different um, teachings out there on the subject of marriage and divorce. Regarding the question... Is it a sin to marry someone who's divorced? The answer, I'm going to ask and give you three options. You think it is a sin, you think it's not a sin, or you're not sure. So how many of you think it is a sin to marry a divorced person? And I won't get offended if you raise your hand. <laughs> how many of you think it's not a sin to marry a divorced person? 
how many of you are unsure? Well, that explains why the question's there. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer that as I search the scriptures is it depends. If you are um, considering someone who is divorced, I think there are some things that you need to find out. When I um, went through my divorce, and it, I didn't say this, but it took 14 months for the divorce to go through. And that was with me not, I wasn't fighting it, I wasn't doing anything, I was listening to the Lord. I was doing a lot of apologizing and asking for forgiveness because as God showed me the things that I was doing, I would go to her, not because I, I was looking to restore the marriage, that was up to God, but it was because I wanted to get right. And the way I get, get right is I ask forgiveness of those who I've hurt, okay? And so um, the things, as I, as I was walking through um, being single again, I needed to give God time to do a lot of work in me to bring healing. And so it took me a long time. At first, I started off, once the divorce was final, I was just praying for God to restore my marriage, okay? Actually, I'd use the word resurrect my marriage. That was my prayer. And I prayed that for years. And in the meantime, God's doing a work in me, and he's continuing to, to mature me and, and um, you know, show me things in the scripture. Um, when I did get to the point where I really sensed that God had given me, given me freedom to uh, go ahead and pursue relationships, I knew at that time I didn't have the gift of singleness, so um, that, was, that was clear. Um, but I wanted to do it right. And so, again, searching the scriptures, like, okay, I need to know some things about the people that I'm, or the, the women that I might be interested in. And one is, are they eligible to date in God's eyes? Or excuse me, are they eligible to marry in God's eyes? I, I interpret the scriptures to say that if you are the person that Jesus points out specific reasons that we can, that, that are, you're allowed to get a divorce, a biblical divorce, okay? Adultery is one of them, and we'll read about that in this, in this chapter. Um, abandonment is another one. So an unbeliever departs, then you're free. So I first needed to find out as I'm, you know, I see someone that I'm interested in, I need to know, are they even eligible to marry? Because I didn't want to just be a serial dater and, you know, I wanted to get married again. So that's one of the things that you need to, to understand in your heart. What does God teach about divorce and remarriage? It was my conviction that there are certain individuals, there are certain people who are not eligible to marry because they are still in the covenant that under the covenant that they entered into when they got married. Now, the difference between a covenant and a contract is a contract tells you what you're going to get out of it. You know, you look at a contract, the first thing you want to look for is, okay, what am I getting? All right. A covenant is like a contract, but it's with God, not with your spouse. And with God, it's what am I giving you? Okay, what are you going to get out of this? So when you enter into a covenant in marriage, you're entering into that with God. 
And so in my, my understanding of the scriptures, there are people who wrongly divorce their spouses and they, I don't believe, are free to marry unless their spouse chooses to also break the covenant and remarry. If they remarry, I believe that the, the, the party who uh, divorced wrongly is then free. The covenant has been broken, but it's been broken by the choice of the one who didn't choose it originally. So that's my, in a nutshell, my understanding of whether or not it would be a sin to marry someone um, who is divorced. If they are still bound by a covenant to their, their, their spouse, then I don't believe that you should be considering um, them in a relationship. That's good. So good, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I love what you sh shared with the humility, too. It's like, you know, as best as you could understand from the scriptures, you know, and I, I think it's, you know, to the most part, pretty clear, though, too. Um, you know, God's heart, as I've studied it and as I did premarital counseling, I've been married 10 years now, um, God's heart's always for restoration Absolutely. as much as depends upon us. Like, if we're willing, like, the Bible teaches us that outside of just marriage, like, when you are in conflict with people, that as best as it depends upon you to be at peace with all men. And so I'm not talking like, I mean, yes, there's abuse and there's like some, you know, crazy people and some like, I'm not, but like for the most part, when we talk about people that come to the church office that are having trouble with their marriage, a lot of times it's, it's more like that person doesn't make me happy anymore. Exactly. And um, I want to be happy. Like they used to have, make, a, make me feel these butterflies and there was a twinkle in my eye when I was around them. That's not there anymore. Um, and that's a choice. You know, there's, there's a difference there. It's not necessary. Or we've had people come in. I, I have dear friends that they've been unfaithful to one another. And yeah, Scripture says there's kind of an out in there. Um, uh, if that's, like, if someone's been unfaithful, there's, there's kind of an out. If that other person, like, the way I see it, isn't willing to humble themselves and, and you know, um, and say that they were wrong. And even then, there's still probably an out. But I, I, I can't tell you how many people, and I've only been in ministry 15 years, but I can't tell you how many marriages have still been restored and you know guy or girl has cheated on the other yep. um and it's like amazing because I, I think like if that were to happen how broken i would be i'm like i would want to just destroy that guy for one and two i would be so sad uh, but my wife felt like um i wasn't meeting her need or, or there was enough like distance in our marriage that that would happen and it would break me it would, it would be so hard um, to do, but at the same time, like, I, I've seen so many marriages um, where the person that, that um, was, it, you know, um, that was cheated, or the person that had been cheated on, if I got that right, basically forgave the person, and, um, and now they have an amazing marriage. Now, my buddy, one of the guys, he told me, he sat down across the table from, from me one time, it's been like 15 years, they've been restored, they have a beautiful marriage. And he's like, but every day I have to look her in the eye and know that I hurt her so deep. And I have to swallow that, that humble pie every time I see her. But he knows that God's forgiven him. He knows that he has a, a great relationship with the Lord. He teaches sometimes at different churches. He's a dear friend. He has a great relationship, like I said, with the Lord. But the, one of the consequences of that act is that he has to remember it, that he hurt the person he most dearly loves in this world. 
Um, and so, but yeah, I think God's heart is for restoration, but it's complex. Yeah. I think, um, uh, but I loved what you shared, and I think that's awesome. Um, can, I, can I read something? Yeah. Um, Matthew 19 um, talks about marriage and divorce, and um, the religious leaders asked Jesus, why, why did Moses uh, command to give a certificate of a divorce and put her away? And you can read the earlier part of the text. But Jesus answered and said, Moses, because of the hardness of their hearts, permitted you to divorce. Now, notice the religious leaders said command. But Jesus says, no, he permitted it, but it was because of the hardness of their hearts. But from the beginning, it was not to be that way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her, whoever marries her is who is divorced also commits adultery. So Chad is absolutely correct. God's first call on our lives is to love and forgive. Not to, oh, you committed adultery, that means I can go. No, God wants us to love and forgive. So a question that I would ask you guys is, what is the purpose of marriage? What do you think the purpose of marriage is? Anybody want to risk answering it? Cole. Say again. Yep, Ephesians 5. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that that certainly is a call that yeah. <laughs> is there. Genesis, man. <laughs> Anybody else? So I like your the answer in, in, in Ephesians. That's absolutely correct. That's what Paul says. That it's a mystery. But marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Okay? Your purpose is to be that picture rightly. And so what, is Mary, what does God want for your marriage? He wants you to please him. If you're pleasing God in your marriage, you are reflecting God's picture of Christ in the church. So... Think about that as you think about marriage. It is, marriage is a, a, a great thing. It is an institution that God created and ordained, and it is awesome. But it has a lot of responsibility associated with it. So before you enter into something like that lightly, make sure you really understand what's going on. So, okay. Yeah, and that, that kind of goes into the other question we have down here that someone sent in or uh, wrote in earlier this week. The divorce rate among Christians is around 30%, which I actually thought was higher than that. While not as bad as uh, the general population statistic, it still seems quite high. How do I have peace going into a relationship and marriage or a marriage that it's not just going to end in a fiery mess? Um, which is a great question. You know, I've actually heard higher stats than that for within the church even, and it is a fear. I know several of the students I've Discipled through the years, and even myself. I mean, I dated my wife for two years, and my wife's a gem. Like those that know her, like she's a, she's an amazing uh, woman. But still, I I had this like, you know, fear a little bit of like commitment. Like I want to make sure it's right. And I don't think it was wrong that we dated two years either. Some people are like, man, what's 
what's your deal, Chad? Get married already. You know, like, how long are you going to date her, you know? Um, but I, I, it, two years was good for us. That's what it took uh, until I was ready to cross the line. She was probably ready. But, um, but yeah, I think um, it's important, like, to know, and like you said, it, it's a covenant before God. And it's to be taken seriously. And I think our culture is starting to realize that maybe a little more, or at least, like, the marriage um, age is going, and maybe it's because of other reasons, but the age of people getting married is, like, more like 30 now versus like 20 when I, you know, 15 years ago or so, it was more that direction. So maybe people are taking it more seriously or they just don't care about marriage and they're just, you know, having partners or what, what I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why that number has changed. But the main thing is, is like as a Christian, like someone shared this with me years ago as a follower of Jesus, not just a Christian, like that goes to church, but like someone that actually follows the scriptures. Like, and if you're pursuing God, like he's, he's your first, like, you know, he's your bride, guys, gals, he's your husband, like, he's, he's your first love, and, and as you're pursuing him, and you're, you're wanting to honor him with your life, like, there's going to be a season, at least for me, it, it came about after college, where I was like, man, I really would like to be married someday, I'd like, you know, I think this is in my cards, I hope, um, and so I just started praying and surrendering it to the Lord, and just say, God, you know, show me that person, I want to be, like, yours first, and so I just, what I did is I just, I didn't, in college even, I just, I'd come to real life, I'd serve, you know, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I wasn't like every other guy or every girl. I know you guys are thinking this when you come, like, well, what about him, you know, like, or what about her, you know, like, I'd be lying if I didn't say that when I was a college student, but I, I really didn't cross the line in my mind of, like, pursuing someone seriously for marriage. I didn't think I had my stuff together enough, or I wasn't ready for that, and, um, which, side note, you never have your stuff together enough, um, but... So I just kind of just pursued the Lord and served him, at, you know, through real life. I'd gone on missions trips, just did, like, just wanted to serve him. And, um, and then as that, that desire came more strong, I started looking around and seeing, okay, who, someone told me years ago their advice was look and see who's serving too, who's running at the same speed as you, you know, who's, who's um, in love with Jesus and, and who wants to serve Jesus with their life. And it's not just like some person that you meet and, they, oh, they're cute, but there has to be a little more depth to them that are cute. And someone shared with me a, a fun acronym, the four H's. Uh, any four H people? Anyone show up? Four H people? Yeah. But like, I'm not talking about like cows and plows. I'm talking about. <laughs> but four H, like my friend shared this with me years ago, and it always stuck with me. Is like first and foremost, you want to look for someone that loves Jesus, holy, like holy. They love the Lord, and that's their first priority. And then second is humble. Like someone that is humble. And third is, is someone that's like hospitable or, or some people would say homemaker. Someone that like, hey, together, like we're going to have a family. Um, and then the fourth is probably not the most important, but it's important, is hot. I got to be <laughs> like, that's a non-negotiable. Now, hot is really subjective and everyone's beautiful in the image of, and made in the image of the Lord. But that is definitely usually on the radar, right? So I'll let, I'll let Cedric step in on that, but segue right there. But, uh, but it is a big commitment, and you, I love the question because it's a covenant before God, not before man, uh, and it's important to take it seriously and prayerfully, but yet at the same time, in real life, I've noticed through the years, we take relationships so serious that Often we go to like events and the guys are over here and the girls are over here and they don't know how to like mix because they're like, oh man, I don't know if I, if I talk to her, she might think I like her and I don't want that to happen. Like, so it's okay to have 
guy friends and girlfriends and okay. Anyways, go for it. <laughs> well, uh, note the order of things and where hot was relative to holy and humble and hospitable. So keep that in mind. Um, if you if you get them out of the wrong order, you could be in trouble. Um, so. I, I really like this question, one, because there's an understanding that um, the divorce rate among Christians and even in society is lower than what we always hear. What's the, the number we always hear? 50%. That has been around for decades, okay? And the reason is, it, the, I, I think his name is Atomo or Amato, Amato. Uh, Dr. Amato projected that once um, no-fault divorce was put in place, that at a certain point, marriage uh, divorces will reach 50%. And <clears throat> so everybody took that and ran with it. And he has said many times publicly, look, I did not say it was going to happen. It was just based on a model, on a projection. And people are now claiming that divor the divorce rate is at 50%, and that's all what we always hear. We hear it in sermons. Um, there's a little book called The Good News About Marriage by Shanti Feldhahn. It's probably about a 10-year-old book, uh, maybe eight years old. But she did all sorts of surveys and studies and, and analyses, and she found that um, the divorce rate, even among the general population, is a lot lower than, than uh, 50%. And among Christians, it's even lower than that. So I, for, for this question, I'll go ahead and accept the 30%. And uh, I would agree with you that uh, it should not be even that high. It should not be as high as it is. Um, but we are sinners. And um, people sin. People have a free will. And um, wrong choices are made sometimes. So as far as how you can have a peace going into a relationship and marriage, um, that it's not going to end in a fiery mess. Um, and I will play off of the list that Chad gave you and say a hot mess. Um, the way you, the, I think the way you do that is, is exactly what Chad said. You get close to the Lord. You go as deep as you can in the Lord. And God will lead you, I believe, in wisdom, he'll lead you in understanding, he'll lead you in discernment, and I believe that, as, as Chad said, as you are running hard after the Lord, and you start looking to the right or the left, and you see who's running with you, those are the ones that, or that's the one, if, if, if there's only one, that you might consider, okay? Um, but I do think there are some things that you can be doing now to make sure um, that you don't end up that way. Um, as I said, run hard after the Lord because ultimately he's the one that is going to give you the power to endure whatever you're going to have to endure and to deal with the challenges that, that life inevitably brings. Um, you know, there are people who get married and, you know, within a very short period of time, their spouse gets into an accident and is a quadriplegic. That 
shatters your dreams for what you envisioned your marriage to be. But are you going to stay married? So one of the things that you can do is you can commit to never getting a divorce. Now, I did that, and a choice was made that, um, that was not mine, and, you know, that happens. But you commit in your heart mm -hmm. that you're not going to get a yeah. divorce. Doing that will cause you to be very careful and circumspect before you jump into a relationship because your spouse also needs to be there. Okay? Um, pray a lot. Pray and ask God to make you the person that you need to be to be married. Um, I heard a pastor ask the question, um, are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? So think about that. Are you the person that the person you're looking for hmm. is looking for? Okay? What spouse, what kind of spouse do you want? Are you the kind of person that that kind of person would be interested in? Okay? You look at it that way and you realize, okay, it's all about doing, you know, that God doing the work in me. So focus on that vertical relationship um, and let God um, bring you into circumstances. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be looking around. When I was single, once I allowed myself to understand that I was free to remarry um, and willing to do that and felt like I was healed enough to do that, then I started looking around. And it wasn't just the young men looking around church <laughs> going, hmm, what about her? What about her? <laughs> so, Awesome. I will acknowledge that. Um, commit to being faithful to your spouse. Um, you know, these are all things, you know, be quick to forgive. Um, choose wisely. You know, um, Chad gave you the four H's. Mine aren't as, uh, as symmetrical as that. But, you know, look for someone who's selfless. Look for a servant. Um, look for someone who loves God more than they love you. Okay? And that's a huge one. Because if, they're, if they love God before they love you and their commitment is to God first, then they're going to stay committed to you. Look for someone who's sacrificial, um, someone who addresses sin in their life. Um, going back to the earlier question about marrying someone who's divorced, are they someone who can acknowledge what they did in the relationship to cause the divorce? Even if they didn't pursue it, they did contribute to it in some way, um, you know, there's never a situation where it's 100% the other direction. We all can learn because we're all imperfect people. So make sure that there's someone who's humble enough and they recognize what they went through. Make sure that they're healed from their divorce. Um, my wife and I counsel a lot of people. I counseled a lot of people before I got married. And oftentimes I was counseling people who were in their second and third marriages because they jumped too soon and didn't give God the opportunity to heal them and to cause them to grow and see what they, who they are and what God wants to change in them, the work he wants to do in them, before they jumped into another relationship. So they just became baggage handlers. They carried that baggage from the first marriage and carried it right into the next marriage, and lo and behold, the same things are happening again. Like, Well, there's a common denominator here, and it's you. <laughs> you know? So... 
understand that you know they have to be healed enough and humble enough to acknowledge what they did. So I could I could go on and on, um, but probably other questions. Yeah. Well, we actually I don't know if we're gonna have enough time. I know. So <laughs> so sorry. so many good questions. I have like eight of them. I'm gonna try to respond to you guys in text, and then we had already planned for the next for this week and next week we're gonna go through the same section. And so tonight we kind of landed more on marriage and divorce and relationships, and uh, maybe you, didn't, you weren't sure that that's what we were going to talk about tonight, but hopefully there's some things that you can, can learn. And the biggest plea, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys, is like what Cedric said is, man, pursue the Lord first and wait for the right person. Like, don't try to fit someone into the mold that you want them to be. Like, another word for that in the church is called missionary dating. Like, it works out sometimes, but I, I, I tell you there's more non or there's less success than there is success in that. And, and to really pursue the Lord and pursue a person that loves the Lord. Um, and so, yeah, we talked a little bit more or mostly about relationships tonight. Um, but next week, I, I do want to look at, I have a question here about fighting off temptation uh, in our day-to-day life. I want to answer that next week. There's a, a question in here. Uh, about um, just the idea of maiming our bodies, like tearing our p- bodies apart. Like from that text, is that is that literal? Are we supposed to cut our arms off if it's causing us to sin? Um, I'll have one less arm next week, uh, so I'll be teaching with one. No, just kidding. Um, no, but we'll we'll address that too. And then just anger, the idea of anger. Um, is there a, a righteous anger? Is there like a is there a re- can we ever be angry? Um, and so we're going to talk about that next week too. And then we'll get into oaths and. So I think we'll have a discussion next week. So bring your questions. I'm going to try to answer some of these. Um, we don't have enough time to do it all tonight, and I think we'll just kind of end there. But, man, I just want to take some time to pray and just close the night together. And let's give it up for Cedric, too. Thanks for... I, I should have told Chad. I can talk all night about this and told him to give me the hook. No, no. That's why we wanted you here, and man, you a wealth of knowledge and experience. We appreciate, oh. we appreciate you sharing humbly. That's just awesome, Cedric. Um, yeah, let's pray. Let's pray, and um, you know, as we just set things aside, you know, some of this stuff. Maybe you're here, and you're like, man, this is weird. They're talking about relationships, and I'm new to this church thing, or I'm not. You know, Christians are just weird talking about this stuff this way, and and maybe it's all new. And man, I just want to encourage you to really seek out this concept of, of like a personal relationship with God. Um, and, um, you know, if you've never put your faith in Christ, you can do that tonight. And I just love that about the scriptures, um, that he just promises that he'll, you can start afresh. Like maybe this is new to you and you've come in with baggage and, and maybe your, your, your parents past is kind of haunting you and you think it's going to be your future. Um, but that doesn't have to be the case. Um, God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Uh, and you might be like, man, you don't know my past, but you're right, I don't. But the truth is that God does. And the Bible says, um, while we're all yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's just a beautiful promise that we didn't have to get our stuff together. Like we were, we were already sinners. He knew we would sin, and he died for us that we can have a relationship, and you can be forgiven from your sin and begin following him tonight. And I love that the Bible says it this way in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. So we just want to pause now, uh, just bow our heads, and just if that's you, maybe this is your first time 
just hearing the gospel, the gospel is good news. It, it's all of us are sinners, like Cedric said earlier, all of us are imperfect, like, like um, Jesus was making the point of, and, and we all can't do it. We can't earn God's love. We can't do, say enough prayers, do enough things to be righteous. Ultimately, our righteousness comes from Jesus. And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, there's a bridge now. Like, we can have a relationship with the Holy God. He, he bridges us. He, he heals us. He cleanses us of our sin. And, and, and now we can come to God because God sees Christ in us. And I love what it promises that the old things are gone and the new things have come and, and that we're a new creation. So maybe you're here tonight and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, but you can put your faith in him and you can be seen by God as a new creation to be used for his plans and purposes. And, and that's why he created you. He, he has plans and purposes for your life. Uh, whether it be marriage or whether it be in the workplace or all these, I mean, God's got big plans for your life if you'll just do it his way, the way of Jesus. Um, and so if that's you, maybe just simply cry out, God, I need you. Uh, forgive me of my sin. I confess I'm a sinner and my sin separates me from you, but I know that your death on a cross, if I receive that, God, I can be forgiven. And Jesus, be Lord of my life. I confess I need you. I surrender my life to you. And I want to follow you tonight. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you and you prayed out this, the prayer of confessing, you know, confessing your faith and, and just belief in Jesus and you've crossed a line, um, I just want to challenge you to raise your hand even. I just want to pray for you personally. No one's looking around. Just, I just want to see you, acknowledge it, pray for you, and encourage you. Uh, if that's you, man, Man, I want to follow Jesus tonight. I've prayed that already, and this is me just saying, yeah, please pray for me, Chad. Is that anyone in the room? And then maybe, maybe you're here, and you've prayed that before, and you're, there's a little bit of guilt and shame now. Like you're thinking, man, I've, I've messed up too much. I've missed the mark. Um, and I want to just encourage you, man, come back to Jesus. There's no pit too deep, no sin too far that, you, that takes you from the hand of God, that you can reach out. He's reaching out, and you can reach back. So if that's you tonight, and maybe you've prayed that, like I said, you've crossed the line, you had the plans, all the, you're going to do this, you made the commitment in your mind, I'll never do this, but you've done it. Man, just confess it right now to the Lord. He wants to use you. He's not done with you. God, we just, I just want to pray over those individuals. God, bless them, encourage them, help them to get right with you and move forward. God, I love that your scripture is clear. You're not done with the, us, God. You, you, you heal the brokenhearted. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for just this time that we can kind of have a discussion. God, we pray we can get more answers next week. And these questions keep coming in. My phone keeps lighting up. Thank you for the students' courage to ask them. Bless them as they go out here. I pray, God, we can make key connections with one another now, too. And so excited for what you're doing here this, this year. Give you praise. Amen.